As we gather this morning to spend time in God's word, uh, I want to remind you that we come with great expectation, not because of the charm and the ability of the speaker, because that's certainly not the case. We arrive with great expectations because we worship a great God who has provided for all of our needs, our physical needs, our emotional needs, our spiritual needs through his son, Jesus Christ. And because he's also provided with us, us with the Holy Spirit who is present with us this morning and is our teacher as we open the word of God together. We should be anticipating much more to happen this morning than a NASCAR race this afternoon, than the football games this afternoon, than, than any movies or music that we might, we might watch later. Because God is present with us and he so desires his children to worship together. And so, Father, we've just sung that song which reminds us of the amazing truth that we can do all things, but not in our own strength, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So take what we've prepared for this morning and use it all for your glory. Holy Spirit, speak clear to our hearts and build your kingdom for your glory. In Jesus' name, and all God's children said... Amen. So have you slowed down recently enough to step back and look at the world on November 6th, 2022, particularly in light of the challenges that we face? And we living in Florida have, living in Southwest Florida, have a pretty, you know, amazing challenge as we recover from Ian. Um, Much... Uh, time and effort and, and energy goes into that, and we're glad that, that our community is making the strides that it's making, but when you drive around, you see other places that are still struggling within our midst, and so we are going through that. We have, did you know there's an election in two days? Um, and so uh, we have that to be uh, concerned about. We, there's still a war, you know, nine months later, still a war uh, in the Ukraine with, between the Ukraine and Russia. There are border and immigration issues. There's uh, our economy and debt and jobs and inflation. There's conflict in our families. There's conflict in our schools. And then you begin to think about the degrading moral issues that our society, that our nation faces with, with uh, same-sex marriage and legal drugs and all the gender issues that, that, are, that we're facing. And, did I miss anything? I, you know, I tried to be as as broad <coughs> as excuse me, excuse me, as broad as I could, mentioning those things that are all front and center on November 6, 2022. And so our response, you know, we could pull our hair out. At least some of us could, anyway. You know. Um, smile. Um, we could get angry or we could get mad. We could worry. And, and sometimes that's a, a path of least resistance, to be anxious about all of these uncertainties. We could give up and disengage. Just, just I don't care, whatever. Uh, we could get 
even. We can try and go out and, and uh, make sure that the way that we think is what's going to happen, or we could just give in to pleasure and, and uh, let hedonism have its way in our lives. Where is God? That was the question that we looked at two weeks ago when we looked at Daniel chapter one. Um, Today we ask the same question. Uh, Where is God and what is he up to um, during everything that we must deal with? If you have your Bible with you, you can open up to the book of Daniel. Uh, Remember, Daniel's the fifth of the, of the five major prophets, Je- Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. And so two weeks ago, uh, on Sunday evening, we began to look at the book of Daniel and put it into context that it was 600 years before the birth of Christ uh, in Daniel chapter one. And we saw that Israel was, was in the process of being judged. It had already received its greatness under King David and his son Solomon, and yet had already been split in two. Ten tribes to the north had been, had been uh, uh, taken to Samaria and their capital taken um, by the Assyrians. Uh, and the two tribes to the south, uh, which kept Jerusalem as their uh, capital, they understood what had happened to the northern tribes. They understood it was their responsibility to change the way that they lived in light of what happened to their brothers and sisters to the north. But it didn't happen. Uh, they, they didn't learn anything uh, because idolatry and sin continued to abound among his chosen people, God's chosen people. So he sent prophets to them uh, to tell them of even greater judgment, losing their land, losing Jerusalem. But that didn't help. Uh, they continued to thumb their noses at God and um, 120 years after the northern tribes had been taken by Assyria, King Nebuchadnezzar shows up uh, outside of Jerusalem uh, in their neighborhood and begins, God begins to bring judgment, uh, which is where Daniel chapter one uh, is, is set right there and the book of Daniel follows after that. Uh, he began, begins judgment on Judah and Jerusalem. Uh, Daniel and his three friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, were among the nation's uh, best and brightest who were taken to Babylon along with, along with items from the temple in Jerusalem uh, taken uh, by the pagan king uh, for the pagan king and his nation. So it was a time of turmoil uh, when we read in the book of Daniel. And turmoil that they're going through in many ways connects us to what we're going through right now. Remember, they were in the process of becoming exiles. The 10 tribes of the north were already exiles and now the two remaining tribes were about to be exiles as well. They were, they were trying to follow God uh, in a country that really didn't want God, the God of scripture. Uh, They were under pressure to conform to the society around them where toleration was practiced by many, Uh, at least toleration that keeps your religion private, what they were dealing with when they were exiled to to Babylon. Uh, The world seemed to be winning. Even objects that were taken from the temple in Jerusalem and placed in the pagan temple to remind them that your God isn't really a God at all, that it was the Babylonian gods who were in control. 
Um, and uh, you can see the connections to the things that are going on right now, uh, 2,500 years after um, these events, that we can read them today and hopefully be encouraged and challenged by them. The same God is still on the throne and is in absolute control of the events that happened in the book of Daniel and an absolute control of the events that are happening in our country today. As our nation is moving away from God, the pressure to show moderation and toleration to every and any religion or non-religion challenges us, the way our government acts, the way education system is, the way our entertainment industry, uh, this, this individual pursuit of happiness, no matter what the cost, are all moving at breakneck speed to build man's kingdom, and it just makes us wonder and ask the questions, where is God? Is there a God at all? Why doesn't he do something? So in Daniel chapter 1 that we looked at, we saw Daniel and his three friends, these taken uh, by uh, Nebuchadnezzar uh, to Babylon, and they draw a line in the sand and asked to be ex exempt from the king's food and wine during their training period. And not only did God allow them to pass the test, but also granted them wisdom, knowledge, and favor with the Babylonian officials. Because all of these came from God, we are reminded that God wants us to fully put our trust in him, even to the point of refusing to participate in those things which will keep us from growing deeper in love with Jesus. And so we ask the questions, if I do this, will it help me grow spiritually? Will it help me be a better husband, a better wife, a better grandparent, a better friend, a better follower of Jesus? And we noticed that they made this decision at the age of 15 or 16, which was pretty amazing. What a relationship with God they must have developed at such a young age. And we know that their early choices to fully trust God helped them to make significantly good choices as well later on as they uh, continued to serve God, even in a different place. And so, you know, when we look to make excuses, you know, that we're a little bit older than they are, and hopefully with our age we've gained wisdom, um, we, we really need to be careful in doing that rather than hopefully trusting God with the wisdom and strength that he gives us to make the right decisions. And so uh, hopefully um, we receive that challenge as we looked at uh, Daniel chapter 1. So God granted them at the age of 15 and 16 wisdom, understanding, and favor, so much so that they were identified as being 10 times better than all the wise men. And so you think that's all they need, right? Everything is good. They're set. No problems, no worries. Everything is cool. And that's where we find ourselves in Daniel chapter 2. Right? Daniel chapter 2 begins this way. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, 
I've, have a I've had a dream that troubles me and I want you to know I want to know from you what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king, may the king live forever. Tell your servants the dream and we will interpret it for you. The king replied to the astrologers, this is what I've firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it. Okay, so it's just a short time later and, and Daniel and his friends have joined this group of wise men who serve Nebuchadnezzar. The king has a dream. It was Probably his typical response when he had a dream was to call his wise men to find out the meaning, but this, the meaning of the dream, but this time there was a twist. And we would say capital letters in bold, there was a twist. Not only did they have to give him the interpretation of the dream, they had to tell Nebuchadnezzar the dream itself, what actually he dreamed. Um, and uh, they had to do that, or it would cost them their lives. And I believe when it says, and their houses would be destroyed, it would cost them the lives of their families as well. If they weren't able to tell the king not only what he dreamed, but the interpretation of what he dreamed. Imagine explaining that to your wife. You know, what's happening? Well, we couldn't tell the dream, we couldn't give the explanation for the dream because he wouldn't even tell us what he dreamt. Uh, and uh, they have to do all of these things uh, with a uh, threat of death hanging over them. And you want to say, wait a minute, Nebuchadnezzar, you know, well, is that really fair asking them, you know, and to not only tell you what the dream is, but then give you the interpretation of the dream. And these are your, these are your guys. These are the, this is your team right here, Nebuchadnezzar. These are the guys that have been advising you and, and, and hopefully giving you wisdom on how to make decisions that are good for your kingdom. But he chooses not to do that. And I think Nebuchadnezzar uh, was really uh, already having an issue with many or most of his wise men, that his wise men, maybe he, from his perspectives, have just become a bunch of yes people, that whatever the king wanted to do, they always said, go for it, king, go for it, king, rather than uh, giving him any kind of wise advice. What does that tell us about Nebuchadnezzar, the story like this? Have you ever, did you ever think about that? Here he is, the absolute ruler of the whole kingdom who has everything he can possibly have and can do anything that he would ever want to do, giving his wise men this impossible challenge to deal with. Can we say that King Nebuchadnezzar has some issues? Probably, right? Uh, is it too much to say that the absolute ruler of the known world was a fearful little boy? 
look how insecure he is. He has a dream that obviously disturbs him greatly, and he turns into a worried, anxious little man. That's what happens when we build our lives on position and accumulation of things, a target that is always changing. If you, if you have a little, you may be unhappy until you get what you think you need. If you have a lot, you're always concerned about what's going on with the things that you have. Uh, and you're not at peace with yourself because of your insecurities, and you probably are not at peace with others. And I think he may well have figured out that his wise men hadn't been uh, honest with him in the past, and that's why this situation comes to pass comes to pass. Uh, in his mind, he couldn't trust them, so getting rid of them was no big deal. Ah, King Nebuchadnezzar, these are your right-hand man. This is your team, the ones who are the best and the brightest. You take them out, who are you going to depend on, Nebuchadnezzar? Not very smart, but what a picture we have of someone completely engulfed in, in self-worship, afraid of everything and everyone. The Apostle Paul was right when he wrote in Romans 1.25, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than their creator. So we head back to the king's throne room where the wise men are completely lost and backed into a corner with their lives on the line. And, and in verses 10 and following, it said the astrologers answered the king, there's no one on earth who can do that, do what the king asked. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among humans. This made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. Well, they tried the honesty route, right? They tried, you know, telling the king the truth. Um, you know, it's impossible for us as a human being. Only the gods can tell you those things, and we don't have access to the gods is what they're saying. Uh, when a man makes a god, there are always limitations. It's always confined to one place, and so you better take them with you wherever you go or make another one that you don't have in order to use that one. Um, that's what happened when man creates God. Man's gods often are incommunicative. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't talk. It doesn't respond to the needs of man. It's just... It's a stone or it's a piece of wood or it's, it's gold or something like that or it's something in nature. There's no response. And so uh, all throughout the scripture, writers point to the fact of how, how um, foolish it is to put our trust in idols, in the creation. Uh, and and these, uh, these astrologers and wise men of Babylon um, communicate that exact same thing to the king, that, that, that the gods aren't going to be able to give us the information that we need. And help me out on this, doesn't it um, communicate something about uh, what 
the wise men really uh, get their wisdom from uh, when we look at this? Uh, my response to the wise men would be, you're wrong. The God of Scripture, the one true God, does live with man. In fact, Scripture teaches us in Psalm 139 that there's no place that we can go in all of God's creation that God is not present. Um, and not only that, but God became human flesh. Jesus Christ took on human flesh so that he might save his people uh, from uh, an eternity separated from God. And that's a truth that we can hold on to dearly. God is always with us. We are truly never alone. Satan might try awfully hard to convince us otherwise, but the truth is the truth. As Hebrews 13.5 reminds us, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. And so, you know, the, the wise men tell the king, it's only the gods that can give you that information and our gods aren't able to share with us what that is. And so you need to give us more information if we're gonna do this. The king isn't happy. So the king gives the orders to destroy, to kill all the wise men. And Arioch, uh, the commander of the king's guard, heads out to do what the king has commanded him to do. And who does he run into but Daniel. And remember, Daniel is one of the wise men. Why he wasn't with them when they showed up in the king's throne room, we don't know. But it had to be the case. He, his name was on that list through no fault of his own uh, because he, he didn't even realize that an Arioch had to share that information with him. And so Daniel, when we read the text, Daniel uh, deftly finds out the problem and asks Arioch to take him to see the king. God shows the favor that he'd given Daniel and is able to do that. Arioch agrees and takes him to the king where Daniel asks for more time. I need more time, you know, at least another night because I think that God might be able, the true God might be able to give me what your dream was and what the interpretation of that dream is. The king agrees, once again, demonstrating the favor of God. And uh, Daniel uh, hightails it out of there to find his friends and says, we've got to pray. Otherwise, we die. Our lives are over because we're a part of this group that the king has, has um, condemned to die. And so uh, they call a prayer meeting among themselves and begin to pray. And look at verse 18 Actually, beginning in verse 17, you think you, we would know the content of what they prayed for? Lord, tell us this dream. Lord, you know, not only the dream, but what it means. And, and we know it's very specific in our prayer, Lord, but, but we need to know. Verse 17, Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. 
Father, we don't want to die. We're here for a reason, a reason that you have brought us here. And so please pour out your mercy. Lord, we need your mercy. And mercy is that which God gives us when we deserve something else. When we deserve the, the, the right and the, the just response of a holy God, mercy mitigates that response and keeps God from pouring out his judgment. And so they plead for mercy. Pour out your mercy on us. Change the king's mind. Make the guard forget us. Maybe even give us the info we need, Lord, but please put your mercy on display, God. And voila, God gives Daniel the interpretation, the dream, and the interpretation during the night in a vision. And so Daniel runs right out to find the guard and said, you know, let's go to the king's presence right away so that all this can stop. No. It's a time for praise and worship. Daniel goes to his three friends. It doesn't specifically say that in Scripture, but I think we can, if the, if. Daniel and his three friends had been praying. The first people he would want to go to when God had revealed what the dream was and the interpretation of the dream, I need to go back to my friends. Look what God has just done. He's answered our prayers. And so um, he goes back and, and uh, his, with his three, friend, three friends decide to have a time of worship. Beginning in verse 20, praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and season. He deposes kings and raises others up. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness. The light dwells with him. I thank him and praise him, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. Time for praise. Time to worship. Time to recognize who really is control, in control of all the events that are going on. Their response gives us a clear picture of where their hearts were. God once again displayed his glory in answering their prayers. Just on on Thursday afternoon when uh, Shell Point had an employee thank you reception outside underneath our portico share right there, somebody asked about why or how is the floor of the church not soaking wet like everything else on our community on the lower level that was overcome by the surge? How could that happen? And I responded, humanly speaking, it shouldn't have happened. Really, it shouldn't. Is there any place... In fact, you walk down the stairs in order to get here, and there are four... Uh, egresses, technical word, for egresses on this level, and we didn't get any water in here. All praise to God. All praise to God, because we know, and those of you that live in first floor apartments, 
most of you, uh, many, many of you know what happened to all those who lived on ground floor places. But God chose to put his mercy on us. We don't deserve it. God was merciful to us. And in Acts 17, verse 26, it says God did so so that they who would see God's mercy would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. And so, Lord, we meet in here today because we lift your name on high because of your mercy that you displayed on us. Daniel affirmed that God is a source of wisdom and power, and that made him confident that he truly had received the, the dream of what the king had dreamt and the interpretation of it. So eventually, after their time of worship, he found Arioch, and, and Arioch took him back to the king. And there in his presence, Daniel told the king uh, what we read um, in verses 27 and following, no wise man, enchanter, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery of what he's asked about, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. Daniel gives all the praise to God. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the days to come. Your dream and the visions that pass before you in mind uh, as you were laying in the bed are these. And Daniel goes on to, to explain to the king what he had actually dreamt. And he said, as your majesty was lying there, your mind turned to things to come, and the revealer of mysteries, God, showed you what is going to happen. As for me, the mystery has been revealed to me, but not because I have greater wisdom than anyone else, but so that God's majesty, that you, your majesty, may know the interpretation and that you may understand in your mind it all came from God. And Daniel takes the opportunity before the king right here, before he's even given the dream or the interpretation, to give praise to God and demonstrate a little humility of himself. I, I'm not any better than anybody else here, but God has chosen to give me uh, the wisdom that, that I'm going to display in front of you right now, what your dream was and um, how it <clears throat> what the interpretation. It just reminds us of James chapter 4, verse 6. God opposes the proud, but gives favor to the humble. And he goes on from there and shares the dream of King Nebuchadnezzar, a large statue that may have looked just like this, may have looked. We just take the description that we have in the book of Daniel, and, and an artist has made this rendering of that. It may have looked something just like that, and as Daniel unfolds the interpretation, he starts with the, with the head and says the king to Nebuchadnezzar, king, you're the head. You, you're the main man. You're, you're the, in charge of everything that happens here on this earth, and I think he was pretty smart starting right there, because I don't think Nebuchadnezzar heard anything else after that, right? He was just interested in number one, if his time was going to make any difference here, um, in his kingdom, and when he was the head on the statue, that was certainly the case. But the interpretation of the dream reminded Nebuchadnezzar, reminds us that God is absolutely in control um, of everything that happens here on this earth, and we see that in verses 37 and 38, when Daniel tells the king exactly what he dreamt and exactly what it meant. 
And then finally, King Nebuchadnezzar has the chance to respond to Daniel in verse 46. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this ministry, this mystery. God had Nebuchadnezzar, this pagan king, on a pathway. And as you read the book of Daniel, it wasn't an easy pathway for this king because there was a lot of pride that God had to deal with, a lot of self-worship. But he had him on the way in his engagement with Daniel to recognize in a beginning way, but in a way that would only grow, that he is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and the revealer of mysteries. And so what do we take away from this passage right here? First, our God is absolutely in control of the world in which we live. He's the creator of everything that exists. And as the creator, he's the one that put the DNA. He's the one absolutely in control, providing for not only creation, but maintaining creation on a daily basis until he recreates exactly what he decides will be needed in the future. He is absolutely in control. He rules the nations. He rules the kings. He rules his children. He rules even his enemies. The more we develop that truth and let it begin to control our thoughts and words and actions, the deeper our faith will grow and the more we will be vessels fit for his service. Second, our God truly is the source of all wisdom. God, putting his mercy and grace on display, gave Daniel wisdom, not only telling him the dream and its meaning, but also guiding the process. Sometimes, maybe often, the greatest need we have is to be reminded that God is in control of all of the decisions that others make on our behalf. Let me repeat that. Sometimes the greatest need that we have in our understanding who our God is, that he's in charge of all the decisions that others make that impact us. Like guiding our Shell Point leadership team during this time of recovery. Like giving wisdom to all the employees and contractors, contractors that are working so hard to to get all of our displaced residents back into their homes. Like being acutely aware of what's needed in Osprey, in Eagles Preserve, and all of the buildings over there. Like giving wisdom to our medical professionals as they help us through the trials and challenges of our advancing years. Like trusting him to give the leaders that we need in our nation to accomplish his purpose on Tuesday like being able to consider it joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, as James 1, 2 reminds us, that in Jesus, in whom are hidden all of the treasures and wisdom of knowledge that we have in Colossians 2, verse 3, all wisdom, all knowledge comes from Jesus, and that he generously gives without fault to all who find 
and call upon him for the wisdom that we need. We may not need to give the account of a dream and its meaning to a king, but every day we have the opportunity to allow our minds and our words and our actions to bring glory to God because that's his desire for us. And so are we living our lives with wisdom that comes from God, using our time, spending our money, praying for our children and grandchildren? Uh, Are we doing that with the wisdom that God has given us? Uh, Are we spending time in his word? Are we spending time in prayer and fellowship and service? Are we becoming more obedient? May our sovereign God give us wisdom as he did with Daniel so that we can increasingly put our trust in him. Amen? Amen. Father, that's our desire. uh, That just as you gave Daniel and his three friends great wisdom and favor as they humbly bowed before you in the midst of difficult circumstances, Father, we pray that you would give us the faith to trust you for the wisdom that you will give, not only to us, Lord, but to those around us, so that in all that we do, we bring glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen.